Welcome to our Streams International Ministry Podcast with Prophet Jared Nusulu, PhD, and Prophetess Gabriella Nusulu. Experience prophetic revelation teachings, personal prophecies, healing, deliverance, breakthrough. You are now listening to a teaching recorded at one of our live church services. So I am mindful um, that I want us to be very, very practical uh, today with the message that I will be talking about. Um, I'm not in church, so I asked the Lord, I said, Lord, can I just talk to the ladies? Please, I don't want to um, be myself too much, if you know what myself is like. So I said, Lord, can I just talk to the ladies? And I want to be uh, very practical with them on the subject of love. Um, because I realized that the church is growing. Our church is an awesome church. Very, very awesome church. And I realized that the church is growing. Now, I didn't want to come and talk about love or friendship in response to something that has happened. Because nothing has happened. Nobody has told me anything about, Mama, you need to talk about love in this church. No, 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 no. So we are actually in the best position to be talking about love. Because as the church grows, many people come, things are bound to happen, but we need to be ready. How do we respond to these things? So I find myself to be in a very, very privileged position where I can talk about those things when I do not have any issue that I'm trying to address. That's really good, isn't it? And at the same time, we've got people joining us for the first time, so I wouldn't be wanting to address any issues. <laughs> I'd like them to just be part of what we are doing. Are you hearing me? Yeah, so it is, it is on that, because of that reason that I decided that this time, let's talk about love, let's talk about friendship. Because by the time we are doubling up, this group will be understanding love and what we are thinking about friendship. And that is very, very important. So let's first of all read um, Galatians chapter 5, verse 22. And we are also going to read 1 Corinthians 13, verse 4 to 8. Uh, I don't think I finished my thank yous. I didn't finish my thank yous. Let me finish. Media team, thank you so much. Give them a big thank you. Worship team, thank you so much. Give them a big thank you. Men's ministry, thank you so much. Men's ministry, give them a big thank you. And to you for coming, thank you so much. Okay, now we can go to Galatians, and then we'll go to 1 Corinthians. So Galatians chapter 5, verse 22. But the fruit of the Spirit is love. But the fruit of the Spirit is what? Let me just continue for the sake of continuing. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, Long-suffering, gentleness, goodness, faith, meekness, and temperance. Against such, there is no law. 
1 Corinthians chapter 13. So keep that verse that we just read in mind. 1 Corinthians chapter 13. From verse 4 to verse 8. If you can find Amplified Classic, that would be very good. If you can find Amplified Classic version, and we will all read together from the Amplified Classic version. So we'll just wait for media. So 1 Corinthians 13, verse 4 to verse 8. All right, there we go. One, two, three, read. Uh, I can't hear anything that we are saying. Let's start reading again. One, two, three, read. Are conceited, arrogant, and inflated with pride. It is not rude, unmannerly, and does not act unbecomingly. Love, God's love in us, does not insist on its own rights or its own way, for it is not self seeking. It is not touchy or fretful or resentful. It takes no account of the evil done to it. He pays no attention to a suffered wrong. It does not rejoice at injustice and unrighteousness, but rejoices when right and truth prevail. Love bears up under anything and everything that comes, is ever ready to believe the best of every person, its hope are faithless under all circumstances, and it endures everything without weakening. Love never fails, never fades out or becomes obsolete or comes to an end. As for prophecy, the gift of interpreting the divine will and purpose, it will be fulfilled and passed away. As for tongues, they will be destroyed and cease. As for knowledge, it will pass away, it will lose its value and be superseded by truth. Okay, so, okay, let's um, stop there. So we go back to Galatians, um, not the media, but just us in our mind. We go back to Galatians chapter 5, verse 22, where I said, but the fruit of the Spirit is love. And I stopped there. Why? Because when you go to 1 Corinthians, you will see that the rest of the things that are mentioned here, joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, goodness, faith, meekness, temperance, these ones are also mentioned in 1 Corinthians, just not in the same words. So, Let's remove joy and peace and go to long-suffering. It's actually the very first verse which says love endures long and is kind, right? Gentleness, it talks about love is not rude, it's not arrogant, it's kind, right? Goodness is the same thing, love is kind. 
faith believeth all things. Remember that? In First Corinthians is there. Meekness, that's humbleness. It's not proud, right? Temperance, um, it's not easily angered. It's all in First Corinthians. Are we all together there? I want you to get that point. That actually it should say, but the fruit of the Spirit is love. Then it should put colon and put the rest of the things as things that are, are actually part of the one fruit. The fruit is love. And then when you talk about joy and peace, those are the emotions that come out of that love. So love itself is not an emotion, but the emotions of love are joy and peace. If you want peace, if you want to think of peace as an emotion, because you can think of peace as the absence of turmoil in your emotions. That's being peaceful, right? So we remain with only one emotion that love brings, and that's joy. Are we hearing each other? So the fruit of the Spirit is love. We are learning, right? Now, the fruit of the Spirit, this is not the fruit of the Holy Spirit. This is not the fruit of because you receive the Holy Spirit and you're speaking in tongues. No. This is the fruit of you walking in the Spirit. The fruit of your Spirit. Small s. If you want to know if you're walking in the Spirit or not, you're going to know it by, we'll know it by your fruit. What is the outcome of you walking in the spirit? Because the Bible says that we are all in the spirit. I, can, I, can, I could have read in the book of Romans chapter 8. The Bible says that, but we are all in the spirit. We are not in the flesh, but in the spirit. If so be that the spirit of God dwells in us. That's in the book of Romans, right? But... The Bible also says, if we are in the spirit, let us also walk in the spirit. So we are guaranteed that we are in the spirit, if so be that the spirit of Christ dwells in us. Which all of us have the spirit of Christ dwelling in us. And therefore our position is in the spirit. But the Bible says in the book of Romans, there is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus, who walk not after, but after, let's say that again. It says, there is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus, who walk not after, but after. Now the same chapter is the one that tells us that we are all in the spirit. The only difference is we can walk in the flesh or we can walk in the spirit. So we can walk after the flesh or we can walk after the spirit. But then if we walk after the spirit, there is fruit. Fruit means the result, what people can see. Because I can tell you that I'm walking in the spirit. It doesn't matter. What you need to see is love for you to know that I'm walking in the spirit. Because the fruit of the Spirit is what? Love. So you need to see love. 
And we are learning. So I'm not perfect. You're not perfect. Sometimes we get out of line of that love. But we should know that when we get out of line of love, we literally are not in the spirit. And with that comes a lot of emotional issues because it is that love that is going to ensure that you have joy. Because when you go back to the book of 1 Corinthians, you will understand that what the Bible talks about there, for example, love suffers long and is kind. It means that when you are having a difficult situation or you're dealing with difficult people, if you are long-suffering, instead of you having those painful things in your heart, because you're actually long-suffering, you don't actually get easily affected by those things, you actually maintain your peace. And therefore, whatever you're doing, you still have joy in what you're doing. Instead of those things affecting you. So you'll find that literally love is guarding your emotions for you to always be joyful in what you're doing and to always maintain your peace. For example, the Bible says love is not jealous. So not jealous is the thing that makes you feel bad because somebody is doing well. It removes your peace, your nice emotions, because you're not happy about what's happening with someone. But then if you love the person, love is not jealous. So regardless of who is doing better than you, you maintain your peace and your joy towards the person. So at the end of the day, the emotion of love is joy and peace. But then the fruit of you walking in the spirit is love. Are we together? Hmm. So why did Jesus command that we should have love for one another? Because Jesus said, this is my commandment, that you love one another as I have loved you. You know why? Because Jesus knew, number one, we are not all going to get along naturally. I'm telling you. He knew we are not all going to get along. And this is actually demonstrated by the early church in the book of Acts. This church, if there was ever, if there had to be a perfect church, it had to be this early church. Because this early church, my friends, when it was being formed with those 120 people, literally you saw fire on their head of the Holy Spirit. Not just the manifestation as we see the manifestation. Fire. Real fire. In fact, if they had cameras, it would have been on TV. They would have seen the fire on TV, not just like spiritual fire, which we say there is fire here. We mean spiritual. It was physical. Are you hearing me? And the wind came. If you read that scripture, I think I was teaching in Adelaide, if you read about how the Holy Spirit came, he actually made so much noise that the people around, they actually came to see what's happening because of the noise of the entrance of the Holy Spirit. It was not because of the noise of the 120 people. They were in an upper room, closed up. How would the whole city come running to come and see 120 people? It was noise first. 
that made them go and see. So this church, I'm just trying to tell you, that it is a pure church born out of, out of the fullness of the Holy Spirit. But what happened after a while, when it began to grow, so they were all excited, you know, revival is starting. Peter goes and makes this really powerful speech, you know. In 2000, I think, is it 2000? You can correct me if I'm wrong. How many thousands? 3,000 added to the church. When that happened, trouble came. When that happened, trouble came to this church. And why? Because they were coming from different cultures, the Bible says. They were coming from different cultures. So that's why the Lord had told them in advance, love one another. The Lord knew once these people come, one from Malawi, one from Australia, one from Fiji, one from Samoa, one from Nui, one from Tonga. Once these people come together, they will not always get along. Some cultures, literally by you just interacting with them, they seem to be rude people. All of them. They seem to just be rude. They seem, some seem to have no manners. But it may not necessarily be the case, because how could they all be rude, you know? It's something in their culture of maybe they are aggressive people. But they meet with somebody from another culture, which is nice and cool and calculated. It seems as if the other ones have got a problem. You know, there are so many examples I can give you. So many examples. You know, like, for example, when I first came to Australia, I understood quite a number of things. One is Australians, they, to me, they seem to like their privacy. Am I right or am I wrong? I'm right. They like their privacy. Whereas for me, you know, forget the introverted part, but... I'm used that everybody meets everybody, especially like in the neighborhood. I'm not necessarily paying too much attention to people's privacy. So in other words, not like, not like I will go to their house and open their door or anything like that, but I'll be thinking everybody will talk to everybody. I'll be thinking that I can knock on their door and say something. I'm, that's what I'm thinking, but I do not, I mean, I had to learn. People like what? Their privacy. So I literally found it very hard also to balance that with um, how do I deal with people in the church if they happen to be lonely, for example. Is it that I need, they need, because if I don't know what's happening with them, do I need to keep a distance or do I need to come to them? So for example, here is another practical example. A baby is born. A baby is born, okay? In some cultures, when a baby is born, you go there. You go to their house. You bring some food. You go see the baby. Actually, in, in those cultures, once you have a baby, you've opened your door to the whole community <laughs> to come and see you. But then in other cultures, once they have their baby, don't come, at least for the first six months. Leave them alone. Am I right? So if we are in the same church and an African 
person has a baby, she's expecting that you will go and see her. Then another culture is expecting you not to come. So if I am thinking, okay, we are in Australia, we don't visit each other, this African person is getting hurt, thinks that nobody loves them. I've just had a child and nobody's coming to see me. And then this other one, you go to their house, you are literally just disrupting their, their life. They want you out of there. They don't want you there. So you go, and, uh, you go and if they are frank with you, they say, please don't visit us again. You are offended again. So the Lord Jesus, there are many examples I can give you. I did ask a question once, and it turned out in other cultures, you don't hug when you are greeting. You don't. And then other cultures, when you don't hug someone, you do not, you do not love them enough. So you're in the same church, another one expects, when you greet me, hug me. Somebody expects, that's too far. Why do you need to hug me? You can just say hello. <laughs> in fact, others say, don't even hold my hand. Like, it's, it's too much. Like, just say hi, and that's it. Do you understand? So, do you understand why it's important Jesus said, love one another? Because without us having even spoken to each other to offend each other in anything, we're already different culturally. And everyone already has different expectations. And we may not, know, we may not always know what those expectations are. Because literally, as I've shown you, some of these things are literally opposite. So what, what position does a church take? What position should I take? You know? And so sometimes it's like you need to find out from the people. Like you try as much as possible to understand the culture. Ask the people around in that culture. So what happens to you when, you, when this happens? And then it's not always straightforward though. It's not always straightforward. Because some other people, even though they come from another culture, they've adjusted. So like for me, if you came to visit me, I'm fine. If you didn't come to visit me, I'm fine. Because I realize I'm not in my culture. So whatever works for you, it works for me. I'm not going to make any assumptions. But for other people, they have never adjusted from their culture, and they never will. For them, their culture is the right way of doing things. <laughs> so, <laughs> so that's why Jesus commanded and said, love one another, because he knew that we will never get along, naturally speaking we have to have something else that makes us all be inclusive. That includes all of us. And that thing has to be above our culture. In which case, it doesn't matter what culture you are from, we should all be able to be together. And we should all be able to have a bond. And that bond is agape love. Which is very different from phileo love, which is the one you were discussing. Because that love, which is filial or friendship, it is as a result of common things. You have something in common. You can get along. It's different. And when you, when you mix up these two, you will be in big trouble. Because friendship is based on getting along. It develops slowly. You can work at developing the friendship with someone. 
But don't assume that because you're in a church, everyone can be your friend. Are you hearing me, someone? Sometimes I have uh, been a little bit, I, I, I um, get a little bit, um, I don't know what's the right word. It's like I get a bit uncomfortable when certain situations happen. So there have been situations in the past, and it's not in Sydney, where someone has talked to someone about their issue. And then this person has said, come and live at my house for however long you want. It's not a rental agreement. They're not paying any rent. They're not doing anything like that. But just come and stay in my house. I feel very uncomfortable because I know something will go wrong very quickly. Because these two people don't know each other. How do we know whether they will get along or not? Doesn't mean that they have no agape love. It just means that they cannot maybe get along at that level, being under one roof for that long without any rules of saying, okay, we are living together in this house. You have that room, I have this room. You pay this much, I do. They haven't talked about any of those things. Ensure enough without fail. Almost every other time, it comes back to me. Because they just didn't get along. But then they are offended with each other. They feel like they need to fall out of church. But they haven't differentiated phileo and agape love. Are you hearing me? Very, very important for us to understand. And so, I realized one thing. The Lord said to us, we need to love one another. Now, the reason why people usually know you can teach them about love a lot, usually why a lot of people fail still to demonstrate that love or to show that fruit of love is because they are trying to take these things that are in First Corinthians as the Ten Commandments. I don't know how many they are, but they are taking them as that. So they say, I must be kind. I really need to be kind. I need to be patient. I need to endure. I need to do this. I need to do that. But you cannot necessarily do that that way because it's the same as trying to obey the Ten Commandments and you will fail because nobody was ever able to obey the Ten Commandments. Nobody. So the thing is, love is a nature. So like I said, love is not an emotion. Actually, when somebody loves you, what you feel to say that I feel this love. So I'm not talking about romantic love. That's different, right? I'm not talking about that phileo love. That's different. Now I'm talking about agape love. So with agape love, if I say that I feel that you love me, it's not some ooh, emotion, ooh, I feel like what? No. It's actually acceptance. I feel accepted with no condition. So in the church, I feel accepted in that church with no condition. Or with me, you feel accepted with me 
So you may have done something wrong. You may have said something wrong. You may come from another culture. You may do your things differently, whatever it is. But you feel full acceptance. That's what agape is about. Full acceptance, no rejection. You understand? It's not a feeling. It's not a feeling, but it's acceptance. And that's the thing that when we talk about agape, that's the thing we are trying to achieve. That everyone gets accepted at whatever level they are. Very, very, very important. And so I'm saying, you cannot try to follow these things in 1 Corinthians. These are the manifestation of love, the love nature inside of you. This is the manifestation of it. This is not you trying to do it. This is you trying to follow that nature of yourself. Because there is two natures. Either you walk in the spirit or you walk in the flesh. If you walk in the flesh, you, this is a decision to follow whether you follow your nature or you follow your flesh nature. If you follow your spirit nature, you end up with the fruit of love, which is in 1 Corinthians. But if you follow your flesh nature, then you end up with the other things that love says it's not like that. That's why Paul, in saying it, he is trying to tell us what love does not do. So that when you identify that, you know, this is my flesh. This is not my spirit. And therefore, you endeavor to walk by your spirit. Because the Bible says there is no condemnation to those who do not walk after the flesh, but they walk after the spirit. And so love is a nature that you must nurture. Did you hear me? If you nurture that nature of love, you will produce more fruit as in Galatians chapter 5, but you will also not do what it says it does not do in 1 Corinthians chapter 13. What you must work on is nurturing your nature of love. You must work on it. And how do you work on it? You must meditate on it. Your 1 Corinthians chapter 13, you must meditate on it. When you meditate on it, and what do I mean by that? 1 Corinthians chapter 13, know these things. Love is long-suffering. Love is patient. Love is kind. Love does not envy. Love is not jealousy. Love is not proud. Love is not self-seeking. Love does not behave itself unseemly. Love does not think any evil. You should know those things as in speak them, speak them, speak them, speak them, speak them, speak them. What happens is you are nurturing your love nature. So what happens is when you do that, you, when something happens, love itself will speak inside of you to make you react a particular way other than a particular way. If you don't nurture the nature of love inside of you, it's your flesh which will react in a situation. What you want is you want love to react in a situation. 
so that you end up conforming with 1 Corinthians chapter 13. So as you nurture your, your nature of love, you will see that 1 Corinthians chapter 13 to you is a result of you walking in love. It's not something you're trying not to do. Are you hearing me, someone? So important. The reason why we can teach love and you will still not do it is because you're not meditating on it. Because in the heat of a situation, whatever reacts, reacts. If it's your flesh, it reacts. And if you are naturally not somebody who naturally, because other people are naturally cool, other people are not. So if your flesh reacts, somebody who is naturally cool may, may be able to hold themselves. But somebody who is not, won't, can't. Can't. There will be a scandal right there. And they will go back and confess to God, Lord, I'm so sorry. Why am I like this? I'm telling you. Because they said, they said, mama taught me about love. So like today, you're like, mama taught me about love. I understand what love is like. A situation happens, you find yourself in your flesh. Why? You are not meditating on what I'm teaching you. You are not meditating on that First Corinthians chapter 13. You need to sit down and read it. In fact, if you have a problem with your flesh, every night, read it before you sleep. And as you are falling asleep, tell yourself, love is kind. I am kind. Love is patient. I am patient. Love is not self-seeking. I'm not self-seeking. Because when a situation happens, love will react. The thing is, let, let's go to 1 Corinthians. Are we learning something? Let's go to 1 Corinthians chapter 13. I told you today I don't want to be, I just want to talk. <laughs> 1 Corinthians chapter 13, let's break these things down. Verse 4. Love endures long and is patient and kind. In my Bible here, even though it says um, charity, I will change that to love. So it says, love suffers long and is kind. Okay, so I, went, I studied all of these things to understand them. Because I want, when I read it, I want to identify if there is something out of there that is still showing up. But then I just know that I need to dominate that side of my flesh and walk in love. I need to meditate on that side more. So if I find that my problem is envy, for example, I have to say love does not envy. Love does not envy. I do not envy anyone. I'm not jealous of anyone. I have to say that. I have to identify because I'm nurturing my love nature. So this first one here, it says that um, as I read, love suffers long and is kind. So whenever you see this one, some, some um, verses, some versions, they say love bears long. It's this, think of nothing else but offense. Think of offense when you read that first verse there. Love bears long, which means you bear with people when they do you wrong. People who offend you. You bear with them. You are long-suffering 
not everything gets to you. Not everything is a big story. I know that I know that there are times to speak about things. And it has to be done. Women leaders are there for that reason. I am there for that reason. I'm not saying that things do not happen. Sometimes they are so big, they cannot be resolved between two people. But the more we are grounded in love, the less these things, the less. Are you hearing me? So when you know suffers long, think of offense. The Lord told me something. He said to me that your greatest test of love is offense. That's why it's the first statement there saying it suffers long. It's your greatest test. If you are offended, can you love the person? It's your biggest test. It's your biggest, biggest test. If you can pass this one, the rest of them are easy for you. If someone offends you, can you love that person? The Bible says that it is impossible but for offense to come. The Lord Jesus said that. said it is impossible for offense not to come. But the Lord just says, don't be the one who brings that offense. But the Lord says it is impossible for offense not to come. So somebody knowingly or unknowingly will offend you. Are you able to forgive that person? Now, I do not care what anybody has done to you, how bad it is. You have to forbear. You have to forgive the person. I know it's painful, but you have to forgive the person. Love bears long. So if you have a problem of offense, you meditate on this one and you say, I bear along with people. I bear along with people. Um, let me tell you, for me, I run away from offense from to not be offended as if it's a plague. I do not want to be offended by anyone. Because the Lord told me something in my ministry. Because I know Offense for me is the downfall. Actually, lack of love will be the end of me. That's it. It will be the end. I will read for you what the Lord told me concerning my own ministry about love. Let me see. About love. I share it with people who are in ministry, you know. I said, this is what the Lord told me about love. So he was talking to me in relation to you, the people I'm ministering to, and in relation to other ministers of the gospel, other ministries. So he said to me, if you walk in love, you will never fail in your ministry. He said, if you are always kind to the people you are ministering to, if you, are always, if you always patiently endure, if, they never, if you are never offended, if you don't keep offense 
against them, talking about you. If you are never jealous of them, the Lord may raise some of you up in a very powerful way. The Lord told me, if you are never jealous of anyone, he said, if you are never arrogant to them, no matter how high I take you, if you are never rude to your members, to your people, if you are, never, if you are not easily provoked by them, easily angered, that you say something to me and I'm angry, whether I show it or I don't show it to you, if you don't ever keep any record of wrongs against your members, if you do not rejoice when something happens, when something bad happens to them, but you, are genu you genuinely rejoice at their success when God is lifting them up. He said, if you always believe in them, and if you always believe in what God has put in you, and if you always hope that the best is yet to come, he said, you will never fail in ministry. So for me, I'm telling you, for the sake of what the Lord told me, you will not offend me. You will not. I would rather rationalize it. I, I would do anything I can. Because it will be my downfall. He told me the same thing in relation to other ministers. He said, if, if you are never rude at any other woman of God, if you don't ever think that you are higher than them, all of these things I've said, he also said in relation. If you genuinely rejoice at their success. If you know me, if I am standing here with another woman of God ministering with me, the way I will talk about them, if you know me very well, is because of what the Lord told me. So I do not want to be offended by anyone because it will be a problem with my own ministry. And so for you, it's with your own ministry, what the Lord has told you to do. Whether you are, it's you against one person that you, you look after was just a friend or you just in the house of God. For the sake of that, the Lord wants you to live in love. Are you hearing me, somebody? These things are so, so important. And you don't think that it's easy for me, but I have worked on myself. It's important that I worked on myself. One day, we were in St. Mary's, and, uh, <laughs> and um, somebody was, both of these people are not here, are not in the ministry anymore. Otherwise, I wouldn't give you an example of someone who is still here, you know. <laughs> So one person was in offense with another person and they wanted me to sort out the issue. I tried to run away from this issue because I knew that it was a very big issue. I tried to run away as much as I could, but I didn't want to put it on Susanna. So I decided, <laughs> let these people come to my office. So they came to my office and um, I asked one of the first one to tell me what was happening. Uh, so she said, and I said, um, you know, I made a summary and I told the next person who was the offender to say something. Ooh. Yeah, fire. 
My God. She stood up and she told me, you call yourself a woman of God. You call yourself a leader of this church. You sort those things out by yourself. I am not going to sit in this meeting. And she stood up there and she banged the door and she left. You don't think that that would ever happen to me, do you? <laughs> Are you shocked? <laughs> it happened. So first of all, I was so embarrassed. Can you imagine? Because the other person was right there. It's like no credibility whatsoever as a leader. You know, what do you do in that situation? So I left myself apologizing to this lady who was now left with me. And uh, I told her, you know what? You just need to avoid this person. Nothing else that you can do, right? Yeah, I cooled her down. She was happy that I understood that this one is a difficult person, at least from her point of view. And she was legitimized. You know, she felt that her complaint was legitimate. And then she went. And then it left myself thinking, because it's an opportunity for me to get very offended against this woman. So when I went home, I told myself, I'm not offended. Love is not easily offended. I said, I'm not offended. Love is not easily offended. I say, I forgive her. I mentioned her name so many times to the Lord. Lord, I forgive her. Lord, I forgive her. And I said, Lord, I try anything it takes. I said, Lord, maybe she doesn't know me. Maybe she doesn't know me very well. Maybe I didn't say the right thing. Maybe I should have said things differently. But Lord, I'm not offended. Any other time I feel anything in my heart, I'll kneel down and I'll pray for her. I don't care what anybody has done to you. If you can pray for that person and mean your prayer, you will forgive that person. You will forgive that person. So I said that so many times. I said, Lord, I forgive her. I said, Lord, bless her. Bless her children. Enlarge her territory. I said, I prayed for her. And then the next day, you know, the next Sunday we come to church. Um, literally, by that Sunday, I am not feeling nothing in my heart. No pain, no remorse, no, no, no whatever in my heart. I am just feeling love for her, actually. But the thing is, she couldn't face me. So when we are at church... It's a little bit funny because she cannot face me. I said, Lord, this is not right. I'm a leader. She needs to understand that I have got nothing against her. So I managed to find her somewhere, just in the kitchen. And I said, can I talk to you? She said, okay. So I said, do you know that I've, I don't have anything against you regarding that thing that happened in my office? So she said, she said oh, really? She said, for me... <laughs> she said, for me, it actually ended that time I was in your office. I didn't carry it with me either. <laughs> That's what she said. But I told her that I understand that. But because we had not talked since that time, I do not want there to be anything between you and me. When you see me walking around, I want you to know what is in my heart. I don't have anything against you. And I felt so good. I felt so good. So I don't care what somebody has done for you, to you, how bad it is. You can forgive that person. 
And let me tell you something. I know that if I say forgive, I told you don't go to forgive someone because I'm telling you go to forgive. Go to forgive someone because your nature of love cannot live with that offense that you're keeping in your heart. So meditate on love. Let love work on you. Because if love works on you, you cannot help it. You cannot keep those things inside of you. And if you have tried to forgive someone and it's so hard because other people have hurt you bad, I know. I know other people have hurt you bad, so bad. So that when you meet the person, it brings back those things, the memories. And you are trying your best to love that person. Yeah, I've told you, just go and meditate. Because when you meditate, that is actually your painkiller. It is. I'm serious. Because the moment you see someone, there is a reaction. But the reaction will say, love does not keep any record of wrongs. Deep inside of you, because you meditated on the word, it will say that, and I'm telling you, all the fire of your flesh is gone. All the fire of your flesh is gone. You will even wonder, this thing was hurting me. Why is it not hurting me anymore? It will surprise you how much nature of love you yourself you have. Because you don't even know the capacity of it. It is so huge, the nature of love that you have. It is so big. It is so big because we are all born of love. Each one of us. The love from, of God is in our hearts. All of us here. So you will find that instead of that reaction, you meet that person again. If for me, I was surprised. I meet this person, literally, no pain. No, I, can, I know exactly what happened. I can remember the scenario, but no emotion associated. Are you hearing me? And I could maintain my joy in the church. I could maintain my joy in the church. Because if you do not do this, no matter how much you try to come back to the church, you are not having joy when you see this person. And that's why you eventually say, me, I should just stay away from here. Because this person keeps coming to the same place. It's not like you don't want to love the person, but you can't because when you meet the person, you are feeling the pain. And this person is not going. And you're thinking, if I go, how am I going to avoid her? Maybe she's also everywhere. Maybe she's also everywhere. And some people don't even know what they have done wrong, unfortunately. They may be in the wrong, but they may not even know I did anything wrong. So you thinking that she's going to disappear is not happening. So you end up pulling yourself. You're like, I can't go there. I really want to, but I can't. Why would I go there and I feel pain every day because of this person? That thing, that thing, that thing will go when you meditate. It will go. It will literally erase. You will ask yourself, ah, whenever I meet her, I used to feel like this, but I don't. You will try to bring up the pain. You will not find it. You can't. You will try. You can't at all. It is so true, and it is so helpful. It is so helpful. And I'm hoping that those of you who are watching me on Facebook, that's why I wanted to teach this message when we are all there, uh, the women in the different campuses. I'm hoping that you're understanding what I'm telling you. 
that it doesn't matter how much I tell you to love. If you do not meditate on it, it does not work because the pain of your emotion is so real. And even like I've told you today, it doesn't mean that tomorrow you can do it. Keep meditating. What I'm telling you is that it works because it has worked in me. So what I'm telling you is that it works. Are you hearing me, somebody? The Lord said, love one another, and we can do it. So I was on the first point, and that first point was, love bears all things and is kind. Love is kind. It talks nicely to people. The same thing you want to say, just say it in a nice way. The same thing. Actually, for those of you who are married, for those of you who are married, kindness will go a long way to help you in your marriage. If you are just kind, the way you speak to your husband, so many things will be sorted in your family. Say the same thing, but be kind. Because some of you, you are not kind to your husband. Some of you are kind to everybody else, including me, but not to your husband. Be kind. Be kind. Say the same thing, but nicely. Not just whichever way it came into your mind, that's how it comes out, no. Think first. Think first. Okay. Let's go verse 2. Ah, same verse. Love does not envy. And I think in, the, in that version it will also say love is not jealousy. So for me, envious and, uh, and jealousy are kind of the same thing. They say one is more stronger than the other. I don't know which is which. To me, envy sounds stronger, but they say jealousy is stronger, so I don't know. Um, so, but this is simply just feeling bad over the success of someone. And it's, it's, it's very subtle, but it's something that our love nature cannot have, cannot contain. So... Envy, what it is, you, it's, it's not necessarily someone who is far removed from you. It's something you think you can attain. So let me give this example. Um, <laughs> which country should I use? <laughs> which country should I use as an example? Okay. I'll use Fiji. <laughs> I'll use Fiji as an example. So you can come from Fiji. You come to live in Australia. You, your neighbor is with an Australian, right? They have their cars. They have their boat. You know, boat is a, is a really amazing thing, right? It will not bother you. Until the one from Fiji who you came together with <laughs> ends up having a better house than you, a better car than you, a boat, 
a better job than you, that's when it will bother you. Because that's something you think you can attain. It's closer to you. You may see Miss Universe, and it doesn't bother you. Until that Miss Universe is either your own sister or your twin sister. That's when you'll be envious. Are you hearing me, somebody? Envy is like that. It's something we think we can attain. It makes us feel bad. Somebody else had asked me a question another time. This is a long time ago. I said, Mama, if your spiritual mom came to Australia, then uh, you, you would end up, your ministry will probably just end up being their ministry, which is not true to start with. It would, it would never happen that way. But what I said was that um, it doesn't, it, that does not bother me. In fact, in fact, I would so much rather, God knows this, to be behind somebody else. At least in front they should be somebody else. I would rather that scenario. I want either give me second in command or third in command. Please don't make me at the forefront of the ministry like we are now, me and my husband. They don't think, so I said, that would never bother me. I would love, but I know it can't happen. But if God ever brought someone and said, this one is leading Streams International, and you'd be second, if it was God, I'd be so happy. Because to be the very first person, do you know what that means? The responsibility. Some of you, I get surprised. I always say, if I had the opportunity, just, for example, to lead a Bible study group, I would do the best that I can with that Bible study group. I would love those people. I would give my time to it. If I was doing something or leading a team, or if I just had to have a friend in the church, if I just had to make somebody's day, and I wasn't having any responsibility, I would be surprising those people in the church because it's so easy. If something doesn't work, it will come back up to someone else. And if it doesn't work, it will come back up to somebody else. You, you will be sleeping. Are you hearing me? I so envy your position. And this is just the truth. This is just the truth. If there is anything else you admire about me, admire anything else, but don't admire to be the frontmost person. Don't. Even myself, you know, um, I, even myself, I'm a wife. Sometimes I'll say to my husband, mm -mm, yeah, there's something that has come up, for example. I'll say, mm -mm, this one, can you please handle it? Today, I just want to be your wife. <laughs> I will cook your food. I will clean the house. I will do whatever you want me to do today for you to be happy. But that thing, please, when you talk to Apostle Ali and everybody else, please tell me the outcome. <laughs> it's, it's true. It's true because there are some days I just don't want to be in the forefront of anything. It's responsibility. <laughs> ah, no, no, no. So, it, so those kind of things, I wouldn't envy anyone. But do you know where my temptation could come? My temptation could come if someone who looks like me and their church was next door, this same compound, unit five, unit, this is unit eight, unit seven, 
And they had, everybody from here was going there. That's my temptation, to become envious. You understand? Because that's closer to me. And that's why I meditate on these scriptures, because the Lord told me if you are ever envious of any person, that's your downfall. So I have to meditate. That's why I'll not give myself any room. That's why I told you if there's two women of God in here, I will, I will not give anyone a chance to talk about me. I will be the one talking about the other person. I want you to know as much as you can about this person, not about me. Are you hearing me, someone? Because I don't want to give myself any chance. Don't give yourself any chance to be envious of anyone. Because envy comes all the way from just feeling bad about somebody's success. But it goes all the way to when people do things now. They castigate people. You know, a lot of things that are happening on social media, people bringing each other down. What is just jealousy. They are jealous. And sometimes people just hate people for nothing. I can talk about, you know, ministry because I'm in ministry. You can, talk, you can think of any other scenario. You know, people in workplaces go and talk to their bosses about something people didn't do. It's just envy. It's very bad. It's something that love does not do. And so on the other hand, while I'm talking about this, I'm trying to tell you that if you find an opportunity to do something for the Lord, do it with everything that you have. Because the positions you may admire, they are very difficult. But what the Lord allows you to do, do it. If you are a giver, give with everything. I always say to myself, if we didn't have a ministry in Australia, and I was still living here in Australia, and I didn't have any ministry, like I wasn't living in Malawi, I was still living in Australia, I didn't have any ministry, I would just want a woman of God who God is doing things. Maybe I would just be driving her as something I want to do, but I'll do it with all my heart because I know God is happy and God is moving with this one. But God has not made me her because she's carrying a difficult job. I'll just be saying, thank you, Lord. Whatever I can do to help this one, I'll do with everything. I'll probably be driving Pastor Kathleen Ronala's car because she's the one I love here in Australia. I'll probably just, I already do things for her, actually, because I know that she's carrying such a huge load. I'm contributing something to her. Because I'm not carrying the load of her ministry, but for a woman to be running a whole church. I've told you, me, I, I tell myself that, ah, uh -uh, today I'm a wife. You know, but she's, a, she's the head. She doesn't have that opportunity to say that. So I do, every, I do what I can, my side of things. So whatever you're doing, are you ushering? Are you singing? Are you leading a group? Are you, what are you doing? I, are you just cleaning the toilet? Are you just cleaning the church? If I was you, I would say, Lord, you have put me in the best position. You have not made me to be the one trying to make decisions here. You have not made me to be the one carrying any burdens. You have just given me this thing. I do and I go. I do and I go. I would, I would beat you at doing that. I would really beat you at doing it. You know, when I went to, to Malawi last time, uh, to, to the church uh, of our spiritual parents, 
Although you could see me in front there um, sitting, for those of you who saw me sitting in front, the moment we go from that place, if I ever happen to be in their home, we go to the kitchen. I was doing dishes all day. I was with the cook and the cleaners of the house doing dishes. Because I, I was, they are taking, they have too much responsibility. And over there, I don't have any responsibility. What can I do to help? Even in the place where we were staying, which is just a, um, which is a, a, a lodge, it's a, it's a home um, stay lodge. There was a lady there who was cooking for people. I told her, you can never cook for me. Don't cook for me. I will not eat if I'm not in the kitchen helping you to cook. If that day I want to, to eat, I'll be with you. I'm looking for ways. And you, you are just complaining and you're doing small, small. You have to stop it. You have to stop it. Don't complain. Don't. I'm telling you. And at the end of the day, when we go to the Lord, the reward is the same. Because the Lord gave somebody five talents. He said, bring back five. To some two, bring back two. To the one he gave one, he was expecting only one. So you, you are doing only one. Maybe me, I'm doing five, for example. But the Lord says, well done. Good and faithful servant to me. And then to you, he says the same. And me, I'm thinking, he will say, very, very well done. For me, at least three varies. It's only one. All, all, of, all of us the same. Well done, good and faithful. So why wouldn't you just do your small bit nicely and rejoice while you're doing it? My God. Love is not proud. Proud, pride is very subtle. But everybody has pride. And it needs to be killed. Because pride is in the flesh. Pride is the thing that makes you not want to be corrected. If you have done something wrong and somebody corrects you, your leader, your friend, whatever, the thing that makes it painful for you to be corrected, that's pride. The thing that makes it difficult for you to say sorry when you've done something wrong, that's pride. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> the thing that makes it difficult for you to say sorry. Married people as well. Married people. Why you do not say sorry to your husband? It is pride. The Bible says love is not proud. Some of you, some of you, when something has happened between you and your husband, you know you are wrong. You will never say sorry. You are just waiting for it to cool off. You are giving it days. In five days, he will get over it. In whatever days, he will get over it. You can't just say, my husband, I'm very sorry. It's pride. Proud people, it's difficult to correct them. They'll get angry at you. They'll get offended at you. You actually have to sit there and say, how am I going to approach this? The person is wrong, but you who has to correct. You have to think, how am I going to say? Which words? Which words should I use? Which words must I not use? Because this person will get offended. Whereas people who are humble, they will be corrected easily. They will, they will accept your correction and they will move on. 
proud people will not move on. That's not the end of the story. After you've corrected them, it's not the end of the story. It's, it's blowing up. As the days go by, it's blowing up. It's not finished. Oh, my God. You have to tell yourself, love is not proud. Love is not proud. Love is not proud. You have to tell yourself that. I used to be like that, too. If somebody corrected me, I, I, I wasn't happy. I used to be like that, too. I wouldn't say sorry if I've done something wrong. Oh, you think that I was just good from the beginning, eh? No. No, 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 no. I was better than most people, though, but <laughs> I'm just joking. I'm just joking. Yeah, no, it was very hard for me to say sorry. If in, so I do remember the first um, probably two years of our marriage, um, when we had come here to Australia, you know, I was um, very much on fire for the Lord and everything, but I was not very mature in um, my character, in this love that I'm talking to you about. Not very mature at all. So if I did something wrong, I will not say sorry. Ah, no, I felt like, ah, that is just... When you say sorry, what do you feel? We feel like you are demeaned. And why, why you don't want to feel like that is the pride. It's not happy when you, are, you feel that you are lower than someone. So if you say sorry to someone, it's like you're lower than them. So you're like, I don't want to feel like that. And so you just keep it. You just keep it until, you know, some days go by. But I remember my husband has always said sorry. And there was a time when um, he said that, I want to seek the Lord. You have heard this story. I want to seek the Lord. I want to really find the Lord. And me, I'm thinking, I want to seek the Lord. If I know any spiritual person, it's you. What are you seeking the Lord for? And that's the time he was, uh, uh, he said he wrote scriptures all over the house. He used to pray all day when I'm at university. So I come back, I do something wrong. He will tell me that I'm very sorry. I'm very sorry, my wife. And it's me who has done it wrong. And he'll be like, let's sit down. I'm very sorry. Ah, that thing started eating me up. Like, how come he's like this? How come he's like, that's how I literally got very humbled. And that's literally how I learned love. He started demonstrating it. I learned that, ah, if he can be like that, I can be more. I can be more. So from that point on, I have no problem saying sorry. No problem at all. Actually, most of the time, it's like I say sorry, and he says, no, I was the one who was wrong. And I say, no, it was me who was wrong. <laughs> oh, my goodness. I'm finishing. I'm finishing. Hmm. Somebody wants me to go deeper than this. Thank you, Jesus. Love does not behave itself unseemly. Other version says love is not rude. And, you know, rude people is like the example I gave you of my office. Rude people can make a scene anywhere. Rude people can make a scene. 
it's not good. And they also talk anyhow. So they do not, you know, it says, does not behave itself unseemly, seeketh not her own. They, they think only about themselves. And I will say again to wives, don't be rude to your own husbands. You know, the, 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 the message that you're saying when you're rude to your husband is that you're nothing. That's what he's hearing. Because you talk to him anyhow. In a rude manner, you are telling him you're nothing. You're nothing. The Bible says that a foolish woman actually dismantles her own marriage, her own house with her own hands. Instead of pumping him up, telling him how good he is and pumping up his ego, ego is not a bad thing. And pumping up his ego doesn't mean you're lying to him. You're telling him what he does best, capitalizing on it. You're really good at this. I really like when you do this. You know that was awesome what you did. You know how you said that you are pumping up. Ego is not bad. It's what makes men successful. It's their drive to success. It's the ego. And you're inflating it every day. You're like, you're nothing, you're nothing. You know, the day I will know that you're not rude to your husband is when he can have his phone on speaker and call you how you will answer him and what you say. Some of you are just like, what? <laughs> hey, some of you. Some of you, your husband will never try to do that. No. Put your phone in public. He has to prep you to say, I want to put you on speaker because there are people all over here. And then he will put you on so you can behave yourself. <laughs> Otherwise, just say, well, whatever happened at home. Hi. Where are you? Where are you? Hi. <laughs> Love is not rude. I am preaching good, huh? <laughs> you have to change the way you speak to your husband. Speak well to them. You know, sometimes it happens to me. Sometimes it happens to me. Because most of the time, my phone is on private. So you don't know it's me calling you. I'm serious. It has happened many times. You don't know it's me calling you. So because you hate the telemarketers, the moment you pick my phone, you're like, what? Who is this? Who is this? Who is this? And then you hear my host, oh, mama. So many times. I act like I didn't take notice, but today let me tell you that I took notice when it happened. I took notice when it happened. Hey, some of you are bad on the phone. Hey, you are bad on the phone. The same way that you answered me, why didn't you just answer like that all the time? After you knew it was me, why, didn't you just, why don't you just change and be answering like that? You have one way to answer telemarketers. You have one way to answer your husband. And then you have one way to answer mama. No. <laughs> one day I'll not say it's me. I want to hear the full, the full you, what you're going to say. <laughs> oh my god 
let me finish. <laughs> Love is not, does not seek her own. This is very important because I only have one more, two more to go, okay. Does not seek her own. What does that mean? It's not selfish. It's not all about you. You think of other people. So whatever you say, whatever your behavior, you are thinking about other people. How is it going to affect them? Once you nurture your nature of love, you will always automatically think about somebody's feelings first before yourself. You will think about how is it going to affect them? Some people do not care how other people are affected. That's why they are able to talk anyhow. No emotional intelligence. Love is emotionally intelligent. It thinks, how is this going to affect my friend? Um, um, we have had sometimes, you know, some um, um, talking to other ministers. Somebody actually said that uh, something happened in my church and um, people left and I don't even have a worship team. I have to play the instruments myself on the following Sunday. I have to play the instruments, then I have to preach. And I thought, that is not love. Even if the person is offended, you have to think, if I leave the church, how is it going to affect the people who are remaining? If I'm the main person on the instruments and I just leave, what happens next Sunday? Because I bring the presence of God down there, not because of the preacher. I'm bringing the presence of God down because this is, this is what God has placed me in the place to do. Has gifted me with these gifts. How do I just go and I don't care what happens after that? And people do this in many different ways. They don't care the consequences. Love cares. He says, I would rather hurt. I'd rather deal with it. I would deal with my offense, but I would do what God has called me to do. And if God is leading me away, I will, I will live properly. I remember one of the ladies, um, when she was coming here to, to, to streams here, she said to me, um, she, she had some responsibilities over there. She said, I'm making sure that I'm, I'm able to hand over these responsibilities because I don't just want to just leave that um, such huge gap there. But God has called me here. And sure enough, she came after a while. Are you hearing me, somebody? Love thinks about other people. When you talk to other people, think, how is it going to affect them? That's the question. So you, when, when you have love, you will find that all the time, you're just thinking of the other person. All the time. You want to answer them back, you're just thinking about the other person. You're just thinking about the other person. You're just thinking, so things that you should have said, you don't say them because, ah, she'll not hear it, right? Ah, it will offend her. It will hurt her. It will what? You're just like that. Just like that. Just like that in your nature. It becomes your nature, like I said. You don't go about thinking because in the heat of the moment you can't think. But your nature says harvest. Harvest. Love does not seek her own. It's not easily provoked. It thinks no evil. Some versions say is not easily offended. This is very important. Love is not easily offended, please. Offense comes to everyone, like I said, but other people are easily offended so that it's very difficult to talk to them. You walk on eggshells. 
around this person because you will hurt them. With any word, choose any word, choose any sentence, it's capable of hurting them. That's not love. Because at the end of the day, they are hurting. So they look at everything with the lens of the other person who hurt them, and the other person who hurt them, and the other person who hurt them. But remember, love is your painkiller. It can actually remove that hurt that you have in your heart. So the moment you are like that, you are not in love at all. You are not walking in love. You think no evil, that's where I'm going to end. Love thinks no evil. Love thinks no evil. The other version says love does not hold any wrong. It does not hold grudges. So it's not thinking about what somebody did, what somebody did. And I told you that the Lord told me, if you ever keep grudges against these people that I've given you, you will fail in your ministry. Don't ever do that. I'm telling you the same thing. If you are doing anything for the Lord at all, and you want to succeed in it, don't keep any grudge against anyone. Do not. Don't keep a record of wrongs that this one did this to me, this one did that to me. Do not do that at all. It will destroy what God is trying to build in your life. And you will get out of love. So I know that if I get out of love, one, my ministry will go. Two, my anointing will go. Three, I'll be sick, physically sick as a person. My protection over my life is gone just because I have an, a grudge against you. That's how seriously God is guarding against is loving you jealously to make sure that I do not keep any of his children in my heart for the wrong reason. So no, no matter what it takes for you, forgive. Don't forgive because I tell you. Forgive because you've meditated on the fact that love forgives. Love forgives. Love forgives. I forgive. I forgive everything. I forgive everything. And then forgive the person because your heart is telling you, forgive that particular person. Are you hearing me? So, so important. Forgiveness, we were learning yesterday, is like nothing has happened. Nothing happened. Even mentally, you know it happened, but in your heart, it's not there. It's your heart that matters. Because what you have kept in your heart, that is hurting you. That's the thing that is hurting you. So you forgive. You forgive everyone. Forgive your children. Forgive your mom-in-law. Forgive your husband. Forgive everybody. Forgive your sister-in-law. Forgive your brother-in-law. Forgive all of them. Forgive all of them. Ah... Uh, When I was younger, I had a grudge, a big grudge against um, a particular political party in Malawi and people who belonged there. So when you read my book, you will understand. I had a big grudge against them because they put my dad in prison. 
when I was young. Uh, mothers, I always tell mothers, this one was, avoid, was unavoidable. You know, whoever was my dad's enemy was my enemy. Whoever was my mom's enemy was my enemy when I was young. So I always tell mothers, if you can help it, don't talk about who has hurt you, has done something wrong to you when your children are there. You will make their life miserable because they will grow with unforgiveness. And it will block so many things in their life until later on in life they realize, I must release this. Somebody said this and it's, it's, it's a very good thing to say. It's, it's, I learned that forgiveness is a gift to you from God. To take yourself back into line and love with him. Because unforgiveness will take you out of love. As long as you have unforgiveness, you are not walking in the spirit. I don't care how many tongues you speak. Or how big those tongues are. If you are not forgiving someone, you are out of love. To the point that even the Lord says, if you have something to give, leave it there. Go first. Because the Lord cares more about the other person than your offering. So he says, go back first. Reconcile first. And then come and do your church duties the things that you're used to doing. So this is what I want to tell you. We are not perfect. I'm not saying that everything will fly away today, but I'm saying work on it. And when you recognize I'm out of love, get back into love, either by forgiving someone, by saying you're sorry, by whatever means. We all find ourselves, ah, I'm, I'm feeling this pain of this thing. Ah, I need to meditate. I go back and meditate. I never meditated on it once and for all. I go back from time to time. Because it's, it's our nature that we drift a certain way. But I have to bring myself back in line. Because remember, my ministry is at stake. The Lord told me. My ministry is at stake. God loves you so much that he doesn't care about me. There is somebody better he can replace me with any time. Are you hearing me, someone? So in your own life, you feel that I've gone out of love. Bring yourself back to love. It doesn't matter whether you look like you are stupid in the situation. Look. Look. <laughs> look stupid. <laughs> look stupid. doesn't matter like you. you feel it, it makes you feel like your character is a little bit not that strong. Look that way. It doesn't matter. The Lord wants love. The Lord wants agape love amongst his children. And he said, by this shall men know that you are my disciples indeed. I said this and I'll say it again. I said this in one place. It does not mean that by this people will know that you are my followers. It means by this people will know that you are like me. If Jesus says you are my disciples indeed, how do you know somebody's disciple? That person is just like their teacher. So by this character, by this nature, shall people know that we belong to Jesus. By this nature. We have never seen Jesus, most of us. But I can tell you that if I see love, I see Jesus. I do not see anything else. I can't say to you that I see this person. 
or I see that person, or I see that angel. Uh -uh. When I see love in you, I literally see Jesus. I don't even know, I can't even explain it. Are you the same? You see someone who loves so much and you say, I see Jesus in you. How do you know that? What do you mean by that? The nature. Jesus said, by this shall people know that you are my disciples indeed. Not followers, but people shall know you are like me by this. Are you hearing me, somebody? Are we all ready to go and meditate on the scripture of love? Are we all ready? Thank you for listening. To keep in touch with our ministry, visit our website at www.streams.org.au and follow us on all social media platforms at streams.international. It is a blessing to share with you all our prophetic revelation teachings and it's our prayer to see you transform into mature sons of God. Share this podcast with your friends and family. Be blessed and until next time, Shalom. Shalom.